Hi, this is Ellen Padnos. Welcome back to the MBEF in the Know podcast. I recently sat on a committee with Janet Allen, one of the school psychologists at Miracosta. Every time she spoke, I learned so much. She answered so many questions I didn't even know I had. She has incredible insights into the youth in our community. She understands the issues kids face these days, the problems on campus, how kids are sorting through all of this, and how, as parents, we can best support them. If you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, this episode will be particularly relevant to you. I hope you find it helpful. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support of MBEF. Please enjoy my talk with Janet. Hi, Janet. So, it's so nice to see you again. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me this opportunity. It's truly my pleasure. When I asked you to sit down with me, it's because I had the pleasure of sitting on a committee with you, and I just learned so much from you that has really shaped the way I speak to my son, who's a freshman at Miracosta. And I thought a lot of parents have questions about what's going on in the school. And I think you may have some information that can help us with the conversations we need to have with our kids. So we're really excited. Thank you again. And before we get started, I would love to have you introduce yourself and let's just get to know you a little bit. What's your background? Yeah, absolutely. I am a school psychologist here at Miracosta High School. This is my 20th year. And I started my first five years at MBMS and these last 15 years here at Miracosta. It's been an amazing experience working with adolescents all age from really age 13 up to 18. And I, I also enjoy just the experience with the staff, working with teachers and the parents. I've heard so many amazing stories, information from families through these last 20 years. So it's been a wonderful experience. I started all of this truly in high school. I was in a peer counseling program as a peer counselor at my high school. And it led me to volunteer at, at Teen Hotline in Cedar sinai Hospital. It led me to be a psych major at UC Santa Barbara. And it led me to go on to be a graduate school psych student at Pepperdine University. And I've, I've really enjoyed that walk. Really good foundation. And then um, coming here to Manhattan Beach to start this journey 20 years ago, it's been an amazing experience. And, and prior to that, my background was in mental health. I, I actually did work with adults with mental health challenges and then transferred over to the school district environment. Great. Great. I know you have, is it two kids in our, in the Manhattan Beach schools? So you're local yes. and have two kids in our school? Twin boys, yes. Oh. And then middle school, right? In middle school. Okay, yeah. great. Great. My mom was a teacher when in my high school, so it'll be fun when they're here with you. Before I worked with you on the Social Inclusion Grant Committee, I didn't even know that the high school had school psychologists. How does a student work with you? I think there's about 2,500 kids here. So how many psychologists are there and who gets to work with you? Absolutely. Uh, there are three school psychologists here at Maricosta, and, and uh, we typically work with students that are in the special education program. So they've already been identified with an IEP, and we participate in two things for our job. We do assessments and evaluations for students, and then, but we also do counseling. A lot of counseling. Uh, we have over 100 students on our caseload right now that we meet with on a regular basis the entire school year. And we participate with their teachers, their AP team, and their parents. And it's, it's really good, detailed support for those students. We also work with our guidance counselors on a detailed basis for crisis interventions, for the student study teams, the 504 planning teams for accommodations. And so we are on those teams with our guidance counselors. And when we have student crises such as suicide uh, ideations or threats on campus, we work with the guidance counselors and our administration team on those threats on campus. So we become a mental health resource and professional on Maricosta's campus. Okay. So it sounds like you wear a lot of hats. You're working with 
kids who have IEPs and doing specific counseling for for their needs and how to best help them. The crisis intervention sounds like a really, really big deal as well. Is is it mostly crisis intervention of suicide and things like that? Or if a counselor sees a child who potentially isn't graduating, do you get involved there as well? Is that yeah, what they it's count? case by case. Okay. So sometimes we'll get the call from the counselor to say, you know, Janet, can you come look at this case? We need some feedback, some guidance. Keep. I'm going to have a meeting with the family. Can you join our meeting? What is your suggestion for this student? And so, yes, it could involve someone that's not graduating. It could involve someone who is not attending school and really is uh, missing a lot of days of school, school withdrawal or difficulties getting out the bed, for example. And so sometimes we get called in on those cases as well for more of a team wraparound approach. Okay, great. Thanks. And then I think the third hat that I know that you wear is you are the teacher advisor to a number of groups trying to move the culture of Miracosta forward in a positive direction. So we're going to get into all those things today. So thank you for all you do. One more question before we get into some of the specific issues that you're seeing on campus. With three of you and, you know, especially post-COVID, so many kids, I think, who are struggling, are there any online resources or if someone's listening and doesn't have the ability to work with you, how would you recommend a parent navigate some of the needs that their children are having if their children seem to be depressed or struggling in any way? I would say definitely really good resources have been these crisis hotlines that that you can access at home. And and most of our major hospitals, so for example, Cedars-Sinai, Thalian Center has Team Line, so teams talking to teens. Oh, wow. That and does sound good. I'm a Team Line alumni, someone that was that teen that picked up the phone to help other teens. So that's a great resource. That is a great one. Thank um, you. Torrance Memorial Medical Center also has a good, valuable resource for hotlines. So anything that's related, in, it's really an easy issue on the internet. When you look up adolescent teen helplines, a lot will come up. But within our local LA County area, there are a lot that we're lucky to have those resources for just picking up the phone. Parents can call. And teenagers can call from their house. So even if it's after school hours. That's a great idea. Thank you. I actually, I hadn't thought about that at all. Another thing I saw recently was on the South Bay Families Connected, there's a virtual teen center. And there's some good information there as well. Yes. Okay, great. So let's get into the uh, insider baseball of what's going on at Miracosta. So, so kids are learning, relearning that positive social atmosphere that they had more of before COVID, but being so isolated at home, they're still relearning and grasping all of that. How to reach out to friends, how to make new friends, losing friends that they had prior to COVID and not having the same group because of that. A little different than any of us have ever experienced when we were in high school, when we had different friendship groups but not having lived through such a serious pandemic of school closure. Let's start with post-COVID. I know there's a lot of just things in the public, everything from people going crazy on airplanes to more aggressive driving. We're seeing a lot of post-COVID changes and just frustrations coming out. How are you seeing kids and the climate on campus coming back from 18 months of being online? Yes. So in an educational environment, I will say they're more tied to their phones. Oh, that's interesting. Phones providing more of a sense of comfort because they were home and online for so long. There's also, though, a lot of social withdrawal and um, trying to fit in but not knowing how to fit in. So then there might be influences of social media that students become sometimes a little more tempted to try things because it might get them more friends, but it may not be the appropriate things to try. So things to say, jokes to say that might be a little offensive to other kids. 
having to restart all over again, almost like relocating to a new school. And it's very, very hard. Students have lost their confidence for what to say and do socially. So then they just withdraw and isolate and get involved in certain behaviors that they probably should not do that are more risky to their safety. This is so sad because being a teenager is hard enough. Yeah. So to know that these kids are dealing with another set of complex issues is really hard. Yeah. And also, I've seen the um, kids being more tied to their phones. That's a huge issue as well. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes. Screen time during class, outside of class, coming to school, passing period, homework time even. Screen time is just at an absolute high. It's very distracting. A lot of students say that is their comfort zone. That's their safety. In a student's words, that's their safety. They don't feel safe unless they have their phone with them. Um, And really what they're saying is that's the only sense of security, like security blanket that I have, you know, to make me feel good, to make me feel like I know what's going on. I'm connected to someone. And so they've lost that how to connect to someone in person versus how do I connect to someone just through social media. They've lost those in-person skills. That's rough because they need those obviously for life. Yes. You know, um, so when you see, you know, parents, us parents aren't here during the school day. When you see kids walking from class to class or at lunch, is it what I imagine, which is like kids talking to each other and joking around, or is it kids with their faces locked into their phones? That's such a good question. We have such a big school so a lot of kids at our school are interacting. Okay, great. They are sitting together. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> yes, it's so positive. They good. are having lunch, reconnecting, making new friends. There are just a percentage of our kids that that is harder for them okay. now than it used to be. So they they say lunch is the hardest time of the day for them. And they don't go home and tell their parents about that. So, so oftentimes parents think everything's fine. Or the student says everything's fine. And really, they went to class, period one through six, or period zero through six, but they didn't really interact or make a meaningful connection that whole day in their home and off to their bedroom. So those kids were really concerned about. We try to see, like, how do we keep that connection going, being involved in different clubs. I believe we have almost 100 clubs still active on campus that meet at lunchtime and on Zoom. Some of them at home, they meet on Zoom. A lot of them meet here on campus at lunch and do activities together. So we're really trying to promote that with the students. But it it has been, it has been a big change since uh, two years ago. Interesting. I was just reading something in your waiting room about kids, some, the percentage of kids that have shown up in the ER is up so much since 2019. There was one line that I thought was brilliant. It said, we keep counting on our kids' resilience, but we uh, we forget how vulnerable our kids are as well. So that really was like a wake-up call to me. They are so vulnerable. Yes. So your idea of clubs is a good one. In fact, I'm bugging my son. He does robotics, but I've been dying for him to do the improv club because he is a born (laughs) self-proclaimed comedian. But I think that's such a good idea. And as parents, how can we make sure that our kids are the ones interacting in classes? What are the warning signs that we should see or specific questions we could ask our children to make sure they're not one of those kids? Because like you said, it's not everyone. But if it's your kid, you need to know. Yeah, you need to know. You need to know. So what are some good questions? Like, I love your idea about clubs. Um, encouraging them to be part of a club. Do you have any yeah. ideas for questions we could ask them? Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's like some of the car rides home or car rides to dinner, you know, just trying to ask, well, what is Miracosta offering? And, oh, what is, I heard there's this club, what is that about? And if you hear, I don't know, or I haven't gone to anything, then it's just having that list of clubs in front of you on your phone or in front of you on paper to say, well, can you try this? You know, if you're in 10th grade, 
can you try this in 10th grade? Can you go to two or three meetings? Not every year, not all, all year or every meeting. Can you go to three meetings? Yeah. And that's a great way to start. And sometimes it's just reaching out to find out more from your child. What are you involved in? What kind of things are you interested in? Have you thought about starting your own club? Which is why we have almost 100. Yeah. I mean, it's so neat. With 100 clubs, there's something for everyone. Yes. Yes. And just to make sure parents know where they can find all the clubs, it's on the Miracosta website, right? They have a club link on the website. Okay. Great. They can find that. There are so many to choose from. Great. Yeah. And that's one of the really fun things about Miracosta. So do you think self-confidence will come back? You mentioned there was a lack of social confidence, which I think a lot of kids had. I'm sure I had it in high school. I don't remember that well, but it seems, it seems normal. Do you think that's something that will come back or we should be helping our kids more or how do we encourage that self-confidence? Cause so much of our lives depends on, on self-confidence. You know, as a parent myself in this school district, it's a fine line on that. It really is. Because one of the mistakes we can make that I've made myself is to discuss the way we were when we were their age or what we did um, in high school, for example. And so these these students are very different, right? So as for social confidence, yes, it can come back, but with different time of each student. Some students, like we mentioned, resiliency bounce back so much quicker. Some take longer. But yes, it can. It definitely can. It really depends on the student, where their level of confidence was before the pandemic, and where they are now. Taking that risk, fear comes into the picture. The what if, what if this happens if I reach out to this person? What if... I don't say it the right way. That comes up a lot. But there, as we know now, there is no right way to say it. <laughs> it's just really trying to belong. Um, and that's just part of every development of every adolescent, not only Miracosta High School, right? That's everyone. And just taking that leap of faith that it's okay, you know. And I, with my students and my clubs that I lead and Everyone, I say, say that to them, you know, even if we don't know each other, we can just be happy to be together, right? And share just like teams and sports and athletics. They've learned from a young age to now in high school working together, right? Even if they don't know each other, working together for that common goal. So in a club, the common goal is the, is the club. Yep. That's yeah. great. When you and I caught up on the phone, to do kind of a pre-podcast interview chat, you talked about one of the problems that you're seeing now is bullying. I was not aware of that at all. And I think you talked about that a little bit on the inclusion grant committee calls too. There are some kids who feel really lonely and really isolated. And bullying certainly is not helping anyone become more confident. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're seeing, please? Yes. A lot of it is through the phone, social media, cyberbullying. So it's no no longer only the verbal. It's typing things in. Now 500 people see what you typed, what someone said, changing photographs, things that were not that person. That can be really hurtful. Opinions of people and... The attitude that if I do this at nighttime, I'm not at school, it's okay because I'm not at school, I'm at my house. Well, it falls into school and then it starts to isolate that person. Rumors that spread about things that are definitely not true, um, especially rumors about people harming other people that aren't always true. And now those individuals are isolated for the rest of that school year. So it's looking at what is bullying in 2021 and how it affects our teenagers and hopefully them having at least one person they can trust. If it's not a parent, it's perhaps an extended family member, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin, an older sibling that they trust, that they can come to. 
because they're not old enough to really handle that bully by themselves. Yeah, it hurts. It's very painful. It hurts. And, and you know, even kids that, you know, that have the thick skin, they say, oh, just you need thick skin. Sometimes the bullying so mean, it's really hard to just let it go right. or roll off. Um, or when they're told it'll go away. That's probably one of the not so good things you could tell a child is, oh, it'll just go away. Don't worry about it. Well, they are worried about it. Yeah. And they're not sleeping at night. So, and and we want to be able to help them and know that there's someone they can trust without judging them. So, so many students I talk to, they'll say that, well, I feel like you're the only person that's not judging me right now. So I feel comfortable being really open with you and telling you all these details, you know, and I'm not there to say, oh, just be strong. It'll go away. They need to open up at that age about what's happening to them, especially for bullying. And it is cathartic. It is healing to get that out. Okay, great. So let's get specific here. So say my son is getting bullied from listening to you. The best way to handle it is really to listen without judgment. Yes. And just give, give support of I'm here. I hear you. Yeah. I'm sorry. This is happening to you. How, how would you do it? If one of your boys came to you? Yes. I mean, definitely listen without judgment, but not asking 30 questions every day. What happened? When did that happen? Or what did that person do today? Did you see that person? I mean, you know, so as moms, we can, we don't know we're doing it. We're just trying to help. But really just listening. And just and saying, but not asking the questions. That's really good advice. Because yeah. I think our, our tendency is to fix and to try to understand everything because we want to help our kids so much. Yes. But it's more just the open-ended general questions you're saying that yes. give them the space to talk. Yes. Okay. And, and it's interesting because what we might say to other adults that are friends with us, we might ask some of these questions because they're adults and they're grown, they're older, right? More ex- life experience. But kids are different. They just need someone to hear them. And they might go the whole day and feel like no one heard them. Or they're not the most popular student in the class or at school. Or they wish they could look a certain way and they don't look a certain way and they feel like they don't measure up to other kids and then they're bullied and it's more online right there's not a lot of yeah that's interesting too because my son has said to me he's like mom there's not a lot of bullying but he's not on social media he's he's an artist so he's on instagram but for art only so that's probably why he doesn't see it yeah it's a lot i mean it, it still happens in all realms you know, verbal, physical, uh, cyberbullying online. But most of it is the cyberbullying. Okay. Definitely. Interesting. I See, that's really eye-opening to me. And thank you for your advice on how to handle it because I think it will happen to all of us. You know, I think it's yes. advice that many of us will need. Another thing you mentioned on our call was that there's really a lack of respect on campus, respect for each other, which ties into the bullying, lack of respect for property. I think it's a lack of respect for teachers Mm -hmm. if a child is on their phone in class. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about the culture of respect on campus and as parents, how we can help in the conversations that we can have? Absolutely. Um, I think a lot of students we've heard say things like, that's not my job. Like, Like what, for example, what? When they're asked to pick up trash. Okay. And the response is, that's not my job. And it, it, you wonder where, where is that coming from? Because if you're in high school, you should know by now it's more of uh, respect and courtesy to clean up after yourself. Um, and that was way back in those elementary school years. Clean up, keep your campus environment clean. So, we don't know why at high school level it's changed to it's not my job type of attitude. So parents can try to emphasize that, yes, that is important. So even if they don't have to do a lot of cleanup at home, just a little bit of cleanup is great. 
Or maybe they do a lot of cleanup at home, which is wonderful, but also do that at school. You know, like that is a great way to talk about community, keep our community clean um, and keep our world clean. Yeah. Starts with school. Yeah. It's a great opportunity. Well, that's an interesting one, too, because just from getting a job someday, we all started at the bottom and starting at the bottom means picking up the trash. You know, it means doing those jobs that no one really wants to do. So it's just it's unfortunate that that kids, you know, aren't doing that because that's the attitude, in my opinion, that you need to succeed. Just where you see something that needs to be done, you just roll up your sleeves and do it. Yes. So, yes. And that's the next level of responsibility. Right. And you want to get into management, higher level positions with careers, you know, starts with what was your responsibility as an adolescent? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. I've been thinking about from our conversations that it's there's this kind of like three prong like support that we can give our kids Uh, parents. We can support our kids at home. The school can support our kids. And also as a society and community, how can we support our kids? Because they're dealing with a lot. Yes. This is really hard. And it's, you know, especially when you get even deeper and you start thinking about their brains and their level of brain development. And they look, they look like adults. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, so it's easy to forget that they're not. Um, I don't really know what my question is. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I, part of my job, I am looking at brain development, cognitive development, and and it go, it increases all the way up to age twenty four, which is great. When you look at research of what they say about development, it's nice to know that they're still growing in that area. You know, so let's keep challenging ourselves. Let's keep growing, and what we know, like that full picture. You know, academics, behavior, social development, it all contributes to that whole person. Great. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for answering the question that I didn't even know that I had. But I think I was maybe just more trying to make a point of it takes all of us. It takes all of us to help these kids. And just I thought this was so funny. My daughter and I, you know, that Jill Vox explained. Yes. We were watching. They have one on the mind. And they had the the mind of a teenager. And Socrates had this quote. So what was that, you know, maybe 3,000 years ago about teenagers? They have bad manners, contempt for authority. They show disrespect for elders and love to chatter in the place of exercises. And I just thought that was so funny yes. that yeah. <laughs> teens have been teens for as long, yeah. as, long as time. As long so, as time, right? <laughs> totally. So what other stresses are you seeing at Miracosta, you know, academics, sports, too much on people's schedules. What do you see mostly? I would say a lot of it is related to identity. And Oh, that's an interesting one. What do you mean? Can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. It's that who am I question. And it's, uh, it's only three words, but it's such a big question. Oh, my goodness, who am I? And they don't know yet. So many people, so many students don't know yet. So it's become stressful. We are in a society that's so heavily based on where will I go to college, what college I will go to, or what prestige of college will I go to. So some of the students are really, really stressed because they don't know by ninth or 10th grade if they're going to go to the college that would please their parents or make their parents happy. And then they don't know who they are identity wise in terms of like, uh, what are my interests? What kind of person am I? Do, do I know what I want to do when I grow up? Like, what's my career? I'm 14. What's my career? You know, I'm 16. What's my career? And oh my God, those are such big questions for yeah. little kids. Yes. Wow. But it's on their mind. You know, I just took that test and that grade on that test is going to depend on what college I go to. Like, it's so heavy. It know? is. I, I've had that exact same situation with my son who didn't do well on a math test recently. And, I mean, he, he spiraled because of it. And it was heartbreaking to see. Yes. Yes. So there's 
so much on them right now, like that stress and that load versus us saying, be yourself. And okay, so let's get practical here. So we know that our kids are dealing with that and they can, you know, come home with this, oh my God, I didn't do well on a math test or I didn't make the soccer team or whatever it is. What's, what do you say to your boys? Yeah, exactly. Well, I always ask, how well did you prepare? I do ask them, what Mm -hmm. was your preparation for that Friday test? What day did you start studying? And usually I know because I've been asking all week, what's coming up this week? You know, why do you think you didn't do well? Is it, you know, start those basic questions. Is it something you didn't remember? Um, At middle school, at least for them, it's, they're letting me help them with that. I think at high school, sometimes it's different. Um, They want to be in college already. So they take it more personally. I didn't do well on that. And I want it to do so independently well and so perfect. And it's really not expected to be perfect. It's expected to work hard, do your best, give it your best effort, prepare, 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 be prepared. That is expected, but not perfection. Is perfectionism a, is that going on in our community? Like, is that a thing? Because my son has this perfectionism thing that I don't know where he got it from. Is that a cultural norm? And It is, not just Mercosta. Just of this generation yeah, right this now? this generation. Not just MBUSD students. It is. Uh, so it is more so than when we were in high school and college? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's not because someone's parent was perfect all the time either. It could be just that student themselves are he or she is expecting to be perfect because that defeating feeling of studying for eight hours, staying up till two or three in the morning and then not performing on that test very well is devastating. It's defeating. So we try to help students understand way more than what the score and the grade was, how to overcome that to move on to the next test, to move on to the next quiz. You know, like in, in our job environments, one no, every no is closer to that next yes, right? Yeah. Or not at, at work. Well, same with a test or a quiz. Every lower grade is getting you closer to a higher grade. Yeah. You know, if you were prepared. And so to keep that momentum going, the confidence you know, that's what they need to have. And I tell that to my kids. Stay confident. Just know you did your best. You're going to see that. It's going to come to you. Good. You identified maybe what something could be improved upon next time. Perfect. That's all I can expect. And that's, and I say that as a parent. Right. You know? uh, and then finally, not to beat themselves up over it. Yeah. It's awful to watch your kid beat themselves up. Yeah. Like, really, move on. Right. And I'm with you. If you tried your best, it's out of your control. Yeah. The only thing that's in your control is how hard you work. Yes. Absolutely. But that's interesting. I didn't realize that it was a pervasive issue. I didn't know if it was just in my family or a lot of kids are dealing with it. And is it across the whole spectrum of kids, both students on the high end and students? Yes. Yes. But this other part to this, and I I meant to say this, is it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Right? Because if you have this issue with perfectionism, do you feel like it's not okay to ask for help? But most kids that do really well on things are asking for help. You know, whether it's that classroom teacher, counselor, psychologist at school, whether it's the tutor outside of school and or the parent outside of school, they're asking for help. Someone to study with, someone to practice with, do flashcards with at breakfast, at dinner. Those are the students with that rigor and momentum, even with disabilities or not disabilities. They have that in place because they actually have said, I asked for help on this. Interesting. Yeah, that's great. So that's not an antidote to perfectionism, but a great thing to say to your kids who are striving for doing the best that they can do. Yes. How 
How are you asking for help? How are you making this bigger than just you? Yes. And self-advocacy is a skill that kids start learning at age five, but go all the way into adulthood learning how to self-advocate. And so part of that is asking for help. How do you identify and clarify? How do you select the person that you're going to ask who's trained to ask that question, trained in that subject? So great. Okay, a couple other issues. And these are heavier ones, but I think they're real and I think people want to know about them. You know, what are you seeing on campus in terms of vaping and drugs? Are they problems here at Miracosta? Not on campus, but amongst amongst the kids. Is that popular? I think it's it's every school campus that's adolescent age at this point. I would say at Costa, it's what I hear about more so than what I see. But kids will say what their friends are engaged in doing at parties, at home, what they want each other to do together, whether it's vaping, drugs. And really, it's self-medicating to feel good. And how do we replace that with other ways to feel good that are healthy, you know? A hundred percent. And that's so key. Like, you know, way beyond, yes, go out and exercise every day. And then when you're done exercising, what else can we do also to feel good? And also how to fit in and have friends. You can have friends without vaping and doing drugs, unhealthy habits for your body, you know, and Finding friends that feel the same way, you know, I need to have healthy habits for my body. Um, and, and learning that early in high school, that there are a lot of friends out there that I can associate with, you know, that, that do have these healthy habits. Right. Um, and if I have a problem, how to solve my problem in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. When I was pregnant with my, with my oldest child, I met a woman who worked at um, some drug an alcohol addiction center in Malibu. And she said exactly what you just said. I said, so, you know, I don't even have a child yet, but what is the best way to keep them safe and, you know, not doing drugs? And she said, honestly, as soon as you see something that raises a red flag, get counseling or therapy for it. She said, because every single addiction that I work with is self-medication. She's like, if I know someone is an addict, I could sit with them for five minutes and I can be like, okay, you're addicted to this. You're addicted to that. Because every different drug or alcohol solves a different problem. And I thought that was so interesting. So maybe that's another thing parents can do as well. See where the deficits are, you know, whether your child is a little socially awkward and figure out, you know, whether it's therapy or joining clubs or kind of how do you work with your kid to help them? overcome some of those things that are challenges for them. You know, definitely. And making sure they have that number one, someone to talk to. Right. Okay, great. So this may be a great time to get into peer counseling. So you and I, it's so cool. We both had, we were lucky enough to have those experiences in high school. Um, I think my high school was really kind of a pioneer in New Jersey. Um, And the way it worked was, this is probably similar for you. Once a week, we would skip one class and come together with the same group. And the neatest part for me was it was you had to have a contract of trust and you were with people that you weren't normally with. So you would be be with someone who looked completely different from someone outside of your friend group. And you got to know these people for who they were. And it helped you just see people's challenges. And even though someone looks completely different from you, they can be struggling with the same issues that you are. You got to know them for, like, who they really were inside. It was just such an incredible experience. I know that it was so moving and profound for you as well. Um, And it just seems like it could help these kids with so many of the issues that we discussed from the social isolation to some of the, you know, awkwardness, for lack of a better word, um, from some of the phone stuff. You know, an updated rule would be no phones. Yeah. (laughs) So is this a program that Costa is considering? You know, I think... Is it something we could do? I think it's a wonderful program. I think it's something that would benefit Costa for sure. It it would take um, 
It will take some new visions and planning with curriculum. And as you know, peer counseling is its own curriculum and it's wonderful. Um, but it's a good vision for our school. I think it's exactly where we need to go. Um, you know, the students that are peer counselors, like, like when we were, you know, you're trained first. It's a like studying class. You're trained. Oh, was it a class in your school? Was it actually a class? Well, or? our training was like a class for okay. like a whole semester. And then the following semester is when we went out into the campus and we had call slips and students met with us like fourth period every day. It was amazing. Um, I remember my instructor, Elaine Berman, she taught us really well, really well. And all of us that did the peer counseling, well, we, the door of opportunity opened for Team Line at Thalian at Cedar Sinai. And we just transferred all of that training and skill development into a hospital setting for hotlines across the nation. It was amazing. That is amazing. So, but it started with peer counseling. So students could come to me and or my other peer counselors and peer to peer discuss issues. And I was their same age and I wasn't judging them and it was confidential. And we were told when things were not confidential and when to refer them to the counselors and when it was okay to have peer to peer counseling. So fourth period was that. Um, and sometimes it was just one time. Sometimes we met with students two or three times and then we were finished. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I think it would benefit our Mustangs in a big way, just talking to other students okay. with training. Yeah. Okay. Well, you and I can talk offline if there's any any way I could assist you in that since it's a passion for both of us. Okay. So talk about our Mustangs. Talking about our Mustangs, you started a program. I want to get positive here yeah. um, and about these solutions that you have, you know, you and your team of amazing counselors and psychologists at the school and administrators at the school have come up with to try to help these kids and create a better campus. Can you tell us a little bit about the program that you started this um, year? So it launched October 1st, Mustang Six Respect. You know, it's part of our larger district program for positive behavior interventions and supports, PBIS. So K through five has PBIS and MBMS middle school has PBIS. And here at COSA now, which is amazing, it's Mustangs expect respect. It's amazing. And our three core tenets are respect yourself, respect others and respect property. And we have this all over campus. We have every classroom with that information Teachers are nominating students, staff who even are not teachers are nominating students who are showing respectful behavior. And those nominations are going online. And then those, those students are immediately rewarded with Mustangs Expect Respect tickets every Tuesday and Thursday, every week like clockwork. And then every Friday we have a student reward store, the Mustangs Expect Respect student reward store. We have community businesses that are donating to us. Um, lots of gift cards and rewards that students can then go out into the community. And they got that from Mustangs Expect Respect, starting with those online nominations from the Maricosa staff members. So the front office staff, the counselors, the psychologists, the teachers, every department, the security staff, the cafeteria staff, the uh, coaching staff, so every person that works at Maricosta High School, which is amazing from every level, has gotten involved to positively influence respectful behavior. And I, I can say that as of today, um, we are at, I believe my last count this morning was 185 nominations since October 1st. Wow. So can you give me an example of how it worked? Imagine I was 50, 30 years younger and I'm a Miracosta student. How, how does it work? So you're in your math class. And let's say, for example, um, you were helping another student or without being asked, you were cleaning up the recycling for that teacher 
or without being asked, you provided additional information to help the class, if I was your math teacher, I will go in and nominate you. Um, and I would say on my nomination that Ellen had respectful behavior towards others. She helped another student who was struggling in this class and stayed after five minutes of snack. That, that was a real one to help that student. Another one was um, a student was, was lost on campus and could not find how to get to a certain um, classroom and was helped by another student to get there. Um, that was another real one. So all these like little acts of kindness going on around campus. Acts of kindness. Beautiful. It's amazing. Finding yeah. things that are lost, turning them in that normally you might want to keep for yourself. Uh, but turning them in and saying, I, I want the student to get this back. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, reporting things, sometimes our eyes and ears, you know, reporting things that are happening on campus and honestly being rewarded for that. Thank you for helping us. Right. Um, this is great. You know, I love to, I love so many things about it, but the two things that really jump out are, I think a lot about incentives yeah. and to have an incentive for good behavior. It, it just kind of makes it a habit. So I think that is brilliant. And I also think having the whole, all the students and all the staff on board with it creates and encourages a culture of respect. Yes. So I know yes. this is one of your, your brain children, because if I remember correctly, you were really sad about what you were seeing when school started. Is that correct? Yeah, there was a lot going on. I, I will have to say, I, I don't have that program by myself. It is a team effort. I'm the team coach. Okay. I love, I love being the team coach, but it is a team effort. We have a really big team here. Great. And we meet every month and we go over how to improve everything and how to make it stronger. What do we see? We have everyone from teachers to administrators, students on the team. It's, it's amazing. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, very cool. I think the elementary schools might be copying you. Is that possible? Yeah, they they launched before we did. Oh, oh. We all started a journey five years ago. Okay. Elementary schools took off really quick and launched. And so we see some of these positive incentives and rewards filtering through these children, you know, so easily this year because they have seen it last year, year before, et cetera. And then the middle schoolers, same thing. So, for example, at middle school, this program's working and my my boys just told me yesterday that they had 30 tickets each and they turned them in for wow. in and out uh, gift cards. So when am I driving them to go get that? You know, How cool that they can earn something. I mean, how proud they must be of being able to buy their own burger or whatever. Yes. You know, something fun like that. Yes, it was amazing. Yeah. So we do in and out gift cards and Subway gift cards and all these different places, Ike sandwiches that's just coming up here and Cafe Rio in the community. Uh, we had, we actually also had Chick-fil-A when school started. I mean, we just have had a lot of really nice donations. That's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you. I love that program. And there's some other great programs, you know, and just to make a quick note. So parents, things you can ask your kids about. I mean, that's a great thing to ask your kids. I've seen the banners up at school because, you know, the banners are all over the field, the sports fields and everything. I've seen the banners. What is this Mustangs expect respect? That's a great one. Yes. Um, to ask your kids if they know, and I haven't done this yet, what this positive behavior initiative is. Yeah. Because should the kids know? They should know Mustangs expect respect. Okay. So, but positive behavior, that's more of that's a... more of the staff. An insider. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like identifying a program that schools use. Okay. Yes. And then Mustangs Expect Respect, that's our program that Miracosta uses. Oh. So the kids should know. Okay. And the three areas of it. Great. Great. Okay. I just want to hear, I know you and your team have a few more programs there. You have the HEART program here yes. and the SOS program. These are just sound like there's some critical programs for yes. the, the adult that we parents should know about. So HEART is a club. It started in 2015 as a program across campus that was only addressing bullying at AM and PM office hours. So the victims of bullying were coming to AM and the um, perpetrators were coming to PM office hours. And we were meeting in a classroom. 
And we were actually talking about how to have positive behaviors and respectful behaviors in 2015. And then what was happening is some of the students were saying, can we grow from this? And it was led by students, not led by myself. Can we grow from this? Can we have a club and promote more respectful behavior? And so in 2016, California Pizza Kitchen in Manhattan Beach adopted our club and had us come out and do a joint venture with them and walk with Sally. And we did that for three to four years, actually, with them. It's really nice on the weekends. And now, still here on campus, every Monday at lunch, student-led venture to promote acts of kindness every month. So every month is a different theme that they're promoting, for example, positive, getting more students involved. It's a great club, even though there's so many. There's a great club to be involved in, for sure. And then SOS, Signs of Suicide, I will have to say, is a wonderful program that our guidance counselors initiated. And they brought to our campus with the curriculum, with the structure that we now do every year, second semester, and NVMS does first semester. And we just went this week over to NVMS to help them with that, where students are watching videos that are pre-recorded on this topic of signs of suicide, warning signs of suicide. What to do as a student if you see or feel or know of someone that's experiencing these symptoms or in harm's way. And then after that video, they fill out a survey at school. And then we meet with those students that are at high risk medium to high risk on those surveys that express they need to talk to someone and or have expressed that this applies to them. And it's an all day, seven, eight hours, all hands on deck, counselors and psychologists from MBMS and Maricosta, both sites. So we have upwards of 14 to 15 professionals that are meeting with the students all day. It's a wonderful experience. And we, we are so fortunate to adopt that program for middle school and high school. It's great. So here we'll be having ours next semester. Wonderful that the kids are learning about these things that are very real for them. Yes. Real, very real risks. Yes. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot, there's some problems going on, but there's a lot of effort and initiatives and great programs on campus to help these kids through this hard time. Yes. So... Yeah. You know, thank you to you and all of your colleagues, because um, yes. I know you're here. This is more than a job, right? Right. <laughs> we love it. We love it, though. This is a, a commitment, a lifelong commitment. I love it. Great. I love what I do. That's great. Yeah. Well, awesome. 20 years and 20 more. <laughs> great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for I know how busy you are. I've seen your phone going off all through our interview. So I'm sorry to be keeping you. But I hope parents... We're able to learn from you and um, just so grateful for your time today and for all you do at the school. Thank you, Alan. Okay, thanks, Janet.